If you're feeling overwhelmed by clutter, whether it be physical or mental clutter, I invite you to join me for my free five-day challenge called Re-Energize Your Home. We'll be meeting from June 3rd through June 9th for this amazing challenge where you will discover the power of shifting your mindset, the power of managing your energy, and having true support for your efforts. Let's help you reclaim control of your life and your space in just five days. All you need to do to join us in this free challenge is to go to maketimeforsuccesspodcast.com slash challenge. Again, that's maketimeforsuccesspodcast.com slash challenge. I can't wait to work with you and I'll see you soon. Welcome back to the Make Time for Success podcast. This is episode number 122. What role does our mind have in our efforts to change our habits and patterns? What can we accomplish when we understand how to train our minds into consistent, effective action? Today's guest, Rita Black, is going to share with us how to finally stop the yo-yo experiences of dieting and of believing we want to act one way and then finding ourselves acting another. The topic of focus today is weight loss and weight management, but I truly and sincerely sincerely believe that this episode is relevant for anyone who's interested in mastering their mind and their behavior. Rita is an author, speaker, podcast host, and the director of Shift Hypnosis in Los Angeles. She is an expert in the psychology of weight management, the author of the best-selling book, From Fat to Thin Thinking, Unlock Your Mind for Permanent Weight Loss. She is a hypnotherapist who not only has successfully learned how to quit smoking and manage and maintain her own weight, but she also has a wonderful track record of helping thousands of other people to achieve their own transformations too. Let's go listen to this episode and learn how to harness the power of the subconscious to shift our beliefs and behaviors to make the breakthroughs we are craving. Let's go. Hi, I'm Dr. Christine Lee, and I'm a psychologist and a procrastination coach. I've helped thousands of people move past procrastination and overwhelm so they could begin working to their potential. In this podcast, you're going to learn powerful strategies for getting your mind, body, and energy to work together so that you can focus on what's really important and accomplish the goals you want to achieve. When you start living within your full power, you're going to see how being productive can be easy and how you can create success on demand. Welcome to the Make Time for Success podcast. Hello, hello. We are so excited today because we're learning about the topic that everybody talks about all the time, and that is weight management. And I have my special guest today, Rita Black, who is my first repeat guest on the Make Time for Success podcast. So I want to, yes, yes, yes. So I want (laughs) to welcome you back. I love Rita Black, and I'm so happy that we have another chance to showcase her brilliance. Welcome to the show. Hey, I'm happy to be here, and I'm so honored that I'm your first repeat guest. That's pretty awesome. Thank you. I wouldn't have it any other way. (laughs) And uh, thank you. And Rita is an expert in many things. Uh, One of the main topics that she 
worked with her clients on is weight management, which I think anyone who's ever struggled with weight or had a weight goal has probably experienced some sort of tussle with the idea because we're working with so many different factors. And that's why I'm so interested in hearing what Rita has to teach us about all the different factors that are involved in the process of managing weight and weight loss. So why don't you take it away, Rita? Thank you. Um, so uh, welcome. Uh, I am. I feel welcomed. Thank you. <laughs> so where I feel like I come in here is I, I feel like most people who are what I would call struggling with weight don't lack knowledge, right? Like, you know, you and I were talking about this before you turned on the camera, right? Uh, my mother was a, uh, went to a, you know, she went to Berkeley, pretty good school. She majored in nutrition. She knew a lot about nutrition. She struggled with her weight her entire life. So a lot of times uh, when I have clients, so, and for you guys who don't know, I'm a clinical hypnotherapist and my focus really is how to use your mind effectively for weight management. So I don't tell people what to eat per se, but I'm really more focused on how to use your mind to get consistency with weight management, because for most people, they know what to do, but it's about consistently doing it long enough to get to your goal and then to maintain weight over time. And that is where I see a huge epidemic in what I call like start over again on Monday syndrome, right? Where we get stuck in being good on a diet and being bad on a diet. And I know, Christine, you are, uh, you help people also manage their minds in the area of procrastination and productivity. And ultimately at the end of the day, my guess is getting results with productivity is pretty similar to self-management with regards creating a more powerful relationship communication system within yourself with regards to these things. Absolutely. So, so I have my little brain map here. And for those of you who are, are uh, and I'll, I'll explain it so that if you're not listening, if you're not watching, you're listening, I'll try to make it uh, user-friendly. But, uh, you know, so here, what we all are working on is uh, how, how do we use our mind effectively? And here's the problem with like what I would call dieting. And I know dieting is even like a bad word right now, but like regimes or plans or anything, it's like, we, we have a conscious mind, we have a subconscious mind. And really only 12% of our mind is the willpower, analytical, I'm going on a diet, I'm going to be good, I'm going to eat the chicken and broccoli, and I'm going to, you know, it make, you know, good choices and, and exercise and all of that stuff. And my guess is if you've been, you, you struggled with your weight, you've been able to do that for a certain amount of time. But what happens is that over time, we so the conscious mind is that willpower part of the mind. The subconscious mind is where we have our identity. We have our beliefs like food tastes good when I feel bad. Uh, I, you know, my metabolism is broken. Um, uh, you know, I'm a bottomless pit. I'm a sugar addict. We have a lot of limiting beliefs about ourselves and our ability to release weight, right? 
Then we also have habits, right? We have, oh, I need something sweet after dinner or eating in front of the television or eating in front of our computer or stress eating or eating in the car. It's just habits that are patterns that we've developed to survive, to get through our day. And they just are persistent, even though we don't want to do them anymore. Uh, that 88% of the mind doesn't care because it's now on autopilot. It just wants things to stay exactly the same. It's driven to stay exactly the same. So, so I get so many people who are brilliant people who are like, I know what to do. I know how to do it. Like, why can't I get the consistency? And, and this is the primary reason is there's nothing wrong with you, but it's, it's the dieting industry and how dieting and weight loss really evolved really doesn't use the brain in the most effective way because it's starting with an external thing going on a diet, right? You're being good on the diet. So what happens when you eat a pizza, you go out for the weekend and you, you know, overeat, the thrown feeling is I blew it because I was being good on the diet. So I'm going to go off the diet because we don't want to feel bad. You know, like our brain and our, you know, our psychology is like, oh, I don't feel good. If I feel guilty, I feel bad. I'll stop and I'll start again on Monday. So, so now we're putting future action where we're going to be perfect, where we're going to be good. But the problem is then from Friday to Monday, we overeat and we eat generally too much, right? So, so we get in and then we get habituated in that cycle over and over and over again. So it just becomes a knee-jerk reaction. So that's where most weight is gained is in that sort of what I call the weight struggle cycle where we're go on a diet, be good for a certain amount of time, fall off it, you know, find some other diet, focus on that, be good. And, you know, I've worked with in this field for 20 years, seen thousands of people. And, you know, look, people can take off 20, 40 pounds, but ultimately they'll get to that weight and then something kind of shifts in them. And they're like, either I have imposter syndrome because they're like, well, I'm not really thin because they've been so focused on dieting, but not becoming that person who maintains their weight at their ideal weight, right? And there's so many layers to it, obviously. I mean, you and I could talk for hours and hours, but the, this is the main idea is that consciously we know what to do, but subconsciously we are working against. And now with hypnosis, why hypnosis can be really helpful and meditation and mindfulness is that in the state of hypnosis, in our relaxed mind state, our mind isn't in that defensive mode. So we are able to give suggestions that are going to help you start to shift how you see yourself, how you communicate with yourself, and to also focus on uh, shifting habits as well. Because all habits start changing with mindfulness and with, and ultimately, I don't know if you've, I'm sure you have read. Uh, um, now I can't even remember it. I'm having a senior moment, but uh, James Clear's book, um, Atomic Habits, um, yes. you know, he's a big proponent of all change really begins with identity. And I think you and I've talked about this before. So if we were going to look at three changes that you can make, three shifts today that you can start to make if you are struggling with your weight and 
you want to say, well, how, Rita, do I begin to use my mind more effectively to begin to get some more consistency and to break out of that stop, you know, start over again on Monday cycle? The first thing that we really want to look at is identity. And what happens is when we are struggling with our weight, we live in the world of weight struggle, right? Like, so we see ourselves as a struggler. And especially, I know I grew up struggling with my weight from a very young age, you know, or by the time I was eight, I was the biggest girl in the class. I, you know, my mother was obese, even though, like I said, she majored in nutrition. She was a brilliant woman, but she also was a brilliant cook and made lots of yummy things. And, and, uh, you know, I grew up in the seventies and the aesthetic was super skinny, mini, um, you know, curves were not welcome. Uh, you know, uh, it was, it was very conforming. And so, uh, you know, I went on my first diet, I yo-yo diet up and down the scale and, and I lived in this world as a struggler. And when we're a struggler, the problem is, and, and Christine, I think you, you talk about the same thing with, you know, seeing yourself as a procrastinator. It's a stuck identity that doesn't allow you any growth because you, keep reinforcing that idea of yourself or you try to get away from it, but there's, but it's kind of like, it always just comes back like a boomerang. So you have to offer yourself an alternative identity in order to step into a new idea of a way of seeing yourself. That's going to allow your beingness to, it sounds so California, like (laughs) your beingness, but you know what I mean? Like you have to be something not struggling, but you want to step into something more powerful and positive that you can, because really what we're doing is just utilizing the brain more effectively to focus it. So what we really want to do, and this is what I suggest to people, is to really start to see yourself as a weight learner, a weight mastery learner. Because when we're a student of something, like when we're an apprentice, right, we're open to change, right? We're, we're, we want to change. We're hungry for change. And most of what I have seen in the multi, you know, thousands of journeys that I've seen with weight management is that weight management isn't about being perfect. It isn't about being good on a diet, but it's about learning about yourself and your, and, and self-correcting like, Oh, you know, eating three pieces of pizza on Friday night actually doesn't work for me because the problem is we'll eat three pieces of pizza. Then we'll start self-shaming. Oh, look at me. I did that, blah, blah, blah. And we don't really get that. Wow. Eating three pieces of pizza actually is uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good in my body. We don't do that. We we just go to our head and our thoughts and and then we go into that start over again mentality. So so the the stepping into the identity and beginning to learn like, oh, okay, well, what didn't work for me in that situation? Was I too hungry when I got to the restaurant? Uh, you know, did I let my family influence my thinking because I really did want something to order something healthier, you know, then we have, then the next time we go out, we're going to make a different choice, not because we're being good or bad, but because we're learning about ourselves and our behaviors and what works for us. Right. So, so really just opening that up. And the great thing about a learner, see that when you're in a struggler identity, you can't, everything comes in and is filtered through that. So any diet you go on, you, there's a subconscious, like you're going to fail anyway, because you're a struggler. There's a 
a lack of respect with yourself and a lack of belief in yourself. So when you're a learner, you kind of have a different attitude, you know, about yourself and who you are. You're like, oh, I'm a learner, you know, like I'm doing something here. And it immediately connects you to yourself. It immediately allows you a level of respect with yourself, you know, so it opens many doors and it, and it kind of flips a lot of subconscious switches immediately that you don't have to work that hard to do, you know, so it's a shift that can be, that can happen right away and can open the door. Now, the next one is communication, right? Uh, Because again, when we struggle with our weight, our inner communication system is, uh, is, you know, I don't want to, again, I I don't want to say it's like bad, but I just want to be, it doesn't really work for us. We, we typically have a very loud critic in our mind because we've developed that, what I call the inner critic. And then we also, and as loud as our inner critic is, we have this other entity, what I call the inner rebel, you know? So if your, your inner critic is like on Monday morning, pull it together, you blew it this weekend, you, no sugar for you, no carbs for you. You just whip it into shape, right? The louder that part of us is that, and that's the part that's, it's not okay that we're struggling with our weight. You're not okay. It's not okay that you're overweight. You need to lose that weight as fast as possible because how you are right now is not okay. You're not okay, right? So there's this this shaming, disconnected entity. And, you know, if you look underneath it, there's fear, there's, you know, it's a very fearful part of us that we can have empathy and compassion for, but how it plays out is, you know, we anxiety and like shame. And so then we develop this other rebel part that's like, eh, they should love you for how you are. Like, just eat whatever. Like, look at them. They get to eat. Look at what, you know, there's a, like, oh, you had a really bad day. Food is the answer, right? So there's, there's these two parts. So the more stressed out we become, then the more we want to hit the eject button and just eat. So, uh, so what we're, we're working against is this critic that is addicted to perfection. You know, I don't know about you, Christine, but I remember I had, I had a closet when I was struggling with my weight, I had a closet full of food all these really weird foods. Cause like, especially in the nineties and the early two thousands, like every weekend it was like, here's the different like diet of the day, you know, the grapefruit diet, the, all the, and they all said, oh, you need to have these specific foods in order to, I remember like the master cleanse, like you had to have the grade B uh, uh, <laughs> maple syrup. You couldn't have a, you couldn't have C. It had to be B, or you were not going to lose weight, right? Like it's just like the most ridiculous, you know. So you're like searching all over town for these weird ingredients. You know, you find them, you go on the diet, you like are off it ten days later or whatever, and then you start to put all these products in your, sh- you know, your cupboard of shame, or at least I did. Uh huh. So so we're so addicted to that perfectionistic, like if it says to eat a red apple and you eat a green one, well, you blew it and you're not going to lose weight. And it's not based on reality. It's not based on rational thinking. It's based on complete like nonsense of like the external structure that you have to be good on. And, and I, it's, it breaks my heart because people, the people I work with are 
amazing and highly functioning and all the areas of their life work, except for like, there's this shit. We just go to this shame. It's almost like PTSD we have with this because of that really harsh, harsh critic that really beats us up. So anyway, we want to shift into what I would call a coach, inner coach. You know, the inner coach, again, is going to be working with the learner uh, and and setting goals that are and uh, that are specific, loving, uh, you know, is are these in line with what we can do this week? You know, respectful, uh, you know, what, you know, you know, we were talking about food earlier. It's like, do you like that food? Does that make sense for you? You know, like, how does that food feel when you eat it? Does it nourish you? Does it stabilize you? Right. So we start to work it. And this is like, I have just FYI, uh, those of you who are listening to me, like, so I released 40 pounds 27 years ago and I've kept it off. Right. So, so I'm not just like saying, Hey, you know what? But so the journey of keeping weight off for, you know, like long-term, you know, because I'm a woman now, I'm, you know, in my late fifties, I can't believe I'm saying that, but anyway, (laughs) I I mean, (laughs) you know, but it's going to be better than when, you know, like I will be in my sixties and I'm a woman in my sixties, but right now I'm in my fifties. So I'm in my late fifties. So I've, I've had children. I've gone through menopause in this time that I've kept the weight off. And so unless you, because nobody goes on a diet and I've never met anybody who said, I've been on this diet for 20 years. I've just been really good on it. Just perfect for 20 years, right? It doesn't make sense. So you have to develop an inner voice within you that is going to coach you through because I've changed the way I've eaten over those 27 years. My metabolism has gone down a little bit because I'm a woman in my my late 50s. I've had to adjust, but it didn't come from being perfect on some diet. It became from developing a relationship with myself and tuning into uh you know how my body works, rational thinking and uh you know everybody who is listening to this has mastered something in their life, right? And even if it's driving a car, right? When you first drove a car, you made mistakes. I, you know, my son is for driving for the, you know, he's just got his license and he's driving. Oh my gosh, you know, I'm like, I don't know how I'm, but you know, when you drive a car, you almost run into cars or you, you, you don't, you aren't a great driver, right? But you stick with it and you self-correct and you, or you're, other people correct you and you get better and better until finally you don't even know you're, you're, you get in the car and you go somewhere and you're like, wow, you don't even, aren't even where you drove. Right. So mastery does not come overnight, but it comes from developing a relationship with yourself and a willingness to learn. You know, there's obviously a lot more to it, but the main point I want to make is you're shifting out of that perfectionism and into what I would call persistent coaching. You know, nobody goes to work on Monday and Wednesday you blow it and you take your purse and you leave and you're like, well, I'll be back on next Monday when I'm going to be perfect. You know, you just, you you stick with yourself through the problem. You know, like you and I are both parents. There are days where you feel like, wow, I really blew it as a parent, but you don't give up. You just keep going, right? Okay, so last point is... Uh, another, so, so that 
shift in communication is huge. And you can start doing that today. Start becoming aware of that critical voice. Start to say, am I criticizing myself or am I coaching myself? That's a huge shift you can start to make today. The other thing I see people doing, and and we're all thrown to do this uh, because of the diet. I really do feel like that. I don't want to demonize the diet industry, but why not? You know, it's <laughs> like it, we are so thrown for the short-term idea of weight loss, right? Like, and it comes from, again, that we are not okay as we are. So we want to get the weight off as quickly as possible so that we can be okay to ourselves, right? And so it makes us very vulnerable to these crazy juice fast, master cleanse, whatever, that if you really thought it through, you're like, really, we thought that long-term through is like, is this really a long-term plan for success for me? And so the focus is on the diet. The focus is on, I had this woman um, who, you know, literally she had been on, she had spent $50,000 on different diets, different stuff. She came into my office. She said, I left my wallet in the car because I don't want to give you my money. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But she said, if you can, she said, if you told me today, she said, this is how crazy I've been come crazy from dieting. If you told me I, if I would drink water and eat dirt and lose 20 pounds this month, I would do it. You know, and that's how, how vulnerable we become because we are so, we so don't want to be where we're at. So I really feel like the key is not thinking, I, I have a term called loving yourself down the scale. So the key is to love yourself today, right? And again, that if there's a little more to it than that. You know, you need to forgive yourself. You need to start to create a connection of respect. And forgiveness, frankly, is that first step, you know, forgiving yourself. And it's not that you have to, it's not an overt forgiveness, but there's a lot of resentment we build up against ourselves when we struggle with our weight. And, and it's, it's crazy. Like in my process, uh, the shift weight mastery process, we do this forgiveness exercise and it brings up so much stuff for people because, uh, they're like, I don't have any resentments. And then, and then they start writing, they're like a holy crap. I, have so much resentment against myself. And it really, and once that resentment is cleared away, there's, you start to believe in yourself because you know this, Christine, that, you know, all those limiting beliefs of all the failed diets, right? Are like in this evidence folder saying, you can't do it. You're not going to do it anytime you go on any sort of weight plan. And what happens is, what if you reframed that, like all of these, like anybody who has had, because I've worked with lots of people who have had long-term success. And what happens is when you get to that weight that you want to be at, that is respectful, and you look back at all those things that led you to here, because I see the weight journey as a hero's journey. You see that they all were steps on your road to success rather than failure after failure after failure. Because you probably learned about yourself. You pro- If you allowed yourself to look back and learn from that instead of 
make it mean that you're never going to be successful, then it's very healing to look at it from that perspective. So one thing I tell people is to really create a vision of not just them at their skinny weight, but who is that person in it? Like I talk about long-term promo weight mastery. I, I talk about not just the day you get on the scale at your ideal weight, but I'm talking like five years past there. Like having maintained it five years, like who did you have to become in order to do that? Because when you really think about it, it's pretty profound. I mean, I know for myself when I was 40 pounds up the scale, I I I got it. I was like, okay, the person, me, the me who's going to be 40 pounds down the scale is probably going to talk to people about her needs differently. You know, I'm probably going to need to ask for support. I'm going to need and I'm not comfortable doing that yet, but I'm going to have to become willing to do that. And the me down there is going to have to probably have a different relationship with food where I'm not eating a lot of the stuff I'm eating now and I'm eating different food, but I'm going to have to be happy about it. So I'm going to have to shift my thinking about that. And the me down there is going to have to be probably exercising consistently because I've done a lot of research on studies of long-term weight management. And there there are... there. Are are very clear, specific, and and I created a skill set called the nine skills of weight mastery. And, you know, a lot of them are about support, getting your environment aligned with you, which we don't do when we're struggling. And so, so it's not about you being perfect on this diet and getting that weight off, but it's your saying, this is where I'm going and this is who I'm becoming today. And, you know, I'm not there yet, but I am cultivating that part of me. Just like when you know, I, I think when I became a parent, you know, you think about you have this little baby, but you're also thinking about like, how do I support this baby, keep them safe till they're 18 or 25 or whatever? And who is that person that I want to be that mom? You know, I'm sending my son off to college this year. It's I already have one in college, but it's like, wow, I didn't ever think I was going to get here, but that I started cultivating that idea. I hope that makes sense. So so yes. really shifting to that long-term idea of yourself and it's who just getting your brain doing that because your brain will go, oh, that's where we're going. That's what we want to do. And even when you're not thinking about it, your subconscious mind is starting to ask you questions and think about things a little differently. So, so I hope this makes sense that just opening your mind in your identity, stepping into the learner, um, starting to listen when you're criticizing yourself, go, wait, those are just thoughts. And I can step aside from those thoughts. How do I coach myself in this situation? How do I learn from that? And then really shifting that like, oh my God, I got to get these five pounds off. I've got to get in that smaller size and go, wait a minute. How can I just love myself today and start, you know, how can I just make some changes today that are on the trajectory of who I am becoming, which is me, you know, at my ideal weight, setting myself up for success, living, you know, eating the, like eating in a way that I love that allows me to live at my healthy best self. Rita, I, I am transfixed just listening to you (laughs) and so grateful for you coming back on the show and giving us this masterclass here already. And I've been very quiet, but that's because you are such a pro and so, generous with just the wisdom and your kindness to 
anyone who might be struggling or curious about what is going on with the back and forth and the dieting and the the negative feelings that really seem to, to just be connected with the whole concept of food eating, dieting, diets, and weight. And I have a couple of questions. I have notes all over the place on this little whiteboard that I have oh. in front of me. I wish I had it, had it cleared before <laughs> we we did this interview, but I will continue. The first thought I had was when you mentioned limiting beliefs and I mm-hmm. and I thought that was really a, an important concept and my mind immediately went to, well, of course we have limiting beliefs because we're we're kind of stuck with food. And I'm sure you've talked about this before and heard this question before, but we're constantly coming up against our impulses, our cravings, the need for food, the absence of food, the struggle with food, and that limit or that those limitations seem to be constant. So can you coach us through that and help us maybe figure out a way through that? that we can rely on another thought or another way of yeah. thinking about these limiting thoughts that we have about food and our our ability to relate to it. Yeah, so uh, that's a really great question and and I would say one way that you can start to do that is pretty much what you just said is to when you're in the middle of it, it, uh, so you know, I work with smokers, I think we talked about this on my, the other podcast that we did. And the difference is, you know, when you smoke, people struggle so much with smoking. They have a lot of limiting beliefs about smoking, right? But when they step into that identity of a non-smoker, they never have to smoke again, right? Like that once the nicotine's gone, once they become a non-smoker, they it's not up in their face, especially, but we, you're right. We are dealing with not only ourselves, but we're dealing with the the food industry, which is is spending billions of dollars a year to market to our brains. Then we also have other people in our households. I I have a I do an intake form, uh, and I cannot tell you how many uh, women, especially, write in and say their husbands are their biggest saboteur. Right? Maybe eight out of ten women will say <laughs> my husband, you know, is one of the challenges I have. So. So we're not just dealing with our limiting beliefs, but we're dealing with limiting beliefs of others around us that maybe are also need us to have food for intimacy. So, so again, going back to this idea of shifting into the learner, what one of the ways that uh, I think that you can begin to take these steps is to do thought watching, right? That you would start to notice when you feel bad, you know, when you're feeling what I would call a below the line feeling, sadness, depression, anxiety, and stress, right? When you're feeling that around this area of food or weight, say, what's, you know, what's the expectation right here? Or what's the thought that's going on in my head that's creating this feeling? And, And start to look at it and separate yourself out from it. Like, Oh, I'm a bottomless pit or, oh, I need to eat because I'm stressed out and, and say, you know, and then say, well, what can I learn about this? How can I learn about this in this, you know, in this situation? Like what, what, uh, you know, like there's that thought that I'm fat and I'm always going to be that way. Uh, but I'm now learning about myself. I'm now committed to my journey forward. Uh, 
what are some other choices that I have right now to take care of myself in ways other than food? Am I really hungry? Am I really, um, or, oh gosh, I just ate that cupcake because it was at this birthday party and now I feel bad. Uh, well, okay. You know, how, how am I feeling? Uh, can I be okay that I ate that cupcake and just learn from this so that the next time, uh, you know, I'm confronted with cupcakes, what didn't work about that for me? You know, I want to be here for myself. So what didn't, I want to advocate for myself right now. What didn't work about that? Like what, how did I allow that to happen? What, what could be a happy medium? Like maybe I could have eaten a few bites of the cupcake and then thrown the rest away. It's not like an all or nothing situation. Like what would have really worked for me that, and so that you can take that with you. And because the other thing I think is in the situation where you've done something that you start to beat yourself up about is to forgive yourself. Because I have this term insta forgiveness. It's like, I forgive myself for eating the cupcake. I do. I forgive. Okay. I immediately am because what happens is it's not okay that I ate the cupcake. That's the message. I'm going to disconnect for myself right now. I'm going to say, no, you're not, you blew it. You're bad. You're a bad person. That inner critic. So if I say, oh, no, I wait, I forgive myself. I'm a learner. I'm going to learn from the situation. I'm going to take care of myself now. Uh, what do I need to do to feel better right now? Maybe I need to drink some water. Maybe I need to go for a walk. Maybe I need to, you know, to, uh, make my next meal a healthy meal. You know, really bring in the caregiver and say, what are we going to do to make you feel better? And uh, and then what did we learn? Because we forgive you. If you are all is forgiven, it's okay. Um, the it, and because we learn so much in those situations. Uh, so, so when you start to stop thoughts and, and look at them, shift out of them and, and shift back to, you know, how can I take, how can I learn? How can I forgive myself? How can I take care of myself? Then you're, you're, when you become consistent with that, you, those negative thoughts start to really show up very quickly and very clearly. And we start to be like, that's not okay. I don't talk to myself that way anymore. You know, I remember one time when I was going through my own shift, I remember really distinctly opening up the refrigerator and I, I, um, began, uh, there was like a piece of cheesecake or something. I don't know where it got, came from, but, um, I grabbed a couple of bites and I started to beat myself up about it. I was like, Ugh. and, and then I was like, I was like, there was this very critical voice saying, look at you, you blew it. You ate a couple of pieces. And I was like, hold on. You do not talk to me like that. You know, like I'm okay. I made that choice. I'm going to live with it. I closed the refrigerator. I didn't eat the rest of it. I didn't go on some sort of binge because I was a binger. You know, I get, drank some water and I got on with my day. You know, that's the kind of like, you start to have that inner coach and that advocate saying, no, we don't talk like that to ourselves anymore. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, that does. I mean, the word that comes to my mind is you start getting wins for yourself mm-hmm. and a positive reinforcement cycle begins. And as I was listening to your description of how you move through different stages, 
of probably recovery from this negative relationship with food and eating that you just learn to stop the negatively reinforcing cycle where everything ends up in a loss and self-criticism. And you start to find ways that are just calmer and more kind and more realistic, actually, (laughs) more real world that actually nobody's committed any big crime when they open the refrigerator. And it's, it's, like you said, so much like how I think about recovery from procrastination and avoidance Mm. of work and, and failures to do work that without that flexibility of being able to create new positively reinforcing cycles, we're always going to be stuck at the lowest levels of belief and identity for ourselves. And those are some really stuck negative places. You and I both know how low we and other people can find themselves. Oh, for sure. And you know, you you say is that rational thinking, uh, lack of rational thinking, So often when we eat something that we didn't intend to, like, let's say we're on a strict diet and then we eat a brown, we go to a party and eat a brownie or something or other, you know, if you really looked at rationally the amount of calories in that brownie, right? And, you know, if you were really real with like how much energy input output, you know, for weight release or whatever, you know, that part is like, you ate that brownie is bad. If you really look at it, you probably were okay, but then what would happen is you would say, I blew it, eat, you know, I, at least I would go and eat like five more brownies, then, you know, polish off the rest of the, you know, casserole and this and that, and then wake up the next day and go, well, you know, two more days to Monday, I'm going to go get bagels. And so that overage of 300 calories, I don't know, but what, whatever it is to release, you know, like if you were on a weight release journey, and I mean, it's ridiculous when people really stop and pay attention and start to go, wait a minute, I forgive myself. What did I just do? I ate a few, I, I ate a piece of pizza. Is that really in the world of long-term weight management going to be that big of a deal? No, no, it's okay. Let me drink some water. Let me get on with my life you pull yourself back from that whole cycle of, you know, uh, disconnect, you know, we disconnect from ourselves. Then we go into numbing and then we wake up into a huge barrage of self-criticism. I mean, it's just, it, and, and it, we, it's so mindless and we do it and it, it makes sense because there's a high we get when we first release, when we say, I blew it. So I'll start again tomorrow. It's a release. I mean, it really is. So there's a dopamine hit, but it's quickly followed by all the numbing and self-criticism. So we have to kind of train our brain to go, no, no, come back, stay here. We're here. I'm here with you. It's you're safe to be here. I'm not going to beat you up, you know, and I'm, and, and I know it's the same with your how you're helping people is when you know that no matter what you do, you're going to be there with a loving, compassionate energy with yourself, you become a risk taker. You get more bold with your life in all areas of your life. So I think these journeys that people go on through, you know, what you, how you help people and the, the weight 
journey, it, it, people think of it as like, oh, I'm, you know, I just got to lose weight and I, and, and it's shameful and everything. I was like, wait, no, this is like, this is just the container in which you live your life and the way you, sh- and, and when you really get that in the right place, like you become unstoppable. So it's not just about people think, oh, well, I'm being vain. It's just about, wait, it's like, no, it isn't. This is about how you communicate with yourself. It's this huge. Thank you for that. And, you know, I believe that too. I want to make one more comment about what you taught us. And that is about the defensiveness that we can get into. And I don't think I've ever heard that word used in the weight conversation. And I just love that. Could you say a little bit more about that? Because I think it's important for us not to feel like we're in a battle and, and you've given us lots of ways already, but I just thought the word defensiveness really just struck a chord. I think so. Uh, I I'm assuming that some of our listeners also would like to hear some more about that piece. When you, when you say that, help me out. Cause I, when you say defensiveness, um, you mean that weird. Well, you mentioned it right after describing how hypnosis puts us mm-hmm. in a non-defensive state. And then we can oh, kind got of you. Reaction accept mode. different yeah, stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you maybe talk a little bit about how hypnosis can, can oh, for work. sure. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so from birth until we're in our twenties, we're kind of a sponge. We're sponging up, you know, what our parents have to say, what our teachers have to say, our life experiences, right? And maybe you've noticed that as you get into your 20s, uh, your brain really starts to, I mean, I always laugh at people who are in their 20s in my, you know, my daughter's in her 20s now and because their brains are such a, I call it shit show and I, maybe I can't say that on the show, but like, because they're <laughs> okay. like all over the place, they're like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm doing. Ah. But as we get through our 20s, we kind of have made a lot of decisions about how the world is, who we are in the world, and how to operate in the world. And and that is what we would call the defensive mechanism in the brain. They're the brain, you know, as you know, it's we have millions and millions of little bits of information coming out as stimulus on a daily basis. And our brain is brilliant. So it it creates this mechanism that is going to buy into certain things based on our past experiences and our beliefs and our moral code. And it's going to buy into certain things and it's going to completely filter out things that don't work or they're like, yeah, no, that's not going to work. So like, for instance, with a smoker, um, they're, you know, they could have a million people saying it's bad for you. You shouldn't do it. I love you. Please don't smoke. Don't smoke. That defensive mechanism is like smoking helps me be calm it uh, gives me a moment. I, you know, uh, I love it. It's fun. And it's like, so when people are saying it's bad for you, it's just that part of the brain is just like, doesn't matter. I'm, you know, like, I love it. I need it. Right. So it's not going to, and, you know, so if I said to somebody who had been struggling for 40 years with their weight, like you, you actually can release weight. Like, in fact, you know, I can say to somebody, and this is a fact, that most people who release weight and keep it off are over the age of 50. So it's like, and they've had dieting issues for years, but they can be successful. 
their their conscious mind may go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But their subconscious mind, well, that's not me. That's not going to be me because I know that I can't do that. And it's been too hard. I should just give up. You know, so that the, that limiting that defensive mechanism uh, is going to be thrown to, no, it's not. And, and that is also the part I believe that gets in the way of resilience because then we, uh, I hear this all the time, you know, I get a weekend and then it gets hard or the scale doesn't go down or I've hit a plateau and then I just give up, right? And that's that defensive mechanism going, see, it didn't work. See, you're not able to do it. See, you're a bottomless pit. And and so that it's just reinforcing that it's kind of like that subconscious mind has an evidence folder of all the things that we've done that, and it's just holding it up against us all the time saying, see, you know, you failed. See, it's not possible. So, so what hypnosis does, what meditation does, what mindfulness does is really allow the mind in a relaxed state with metaphor and different techniques to go, oh yeah, maybe it is possible, you know, to, to open up doors in that. And it doesn't, it's not like a wave of the wand or magic, but it, it, it gives you more of your brain to work with than you normally do in a, just a conscious defensive state. Yes. Uh, the word that came to mind is receiving that you, you are calm enough to receive other options and other information and other wavelengths yes. and other ways of being, which is of course how therapy is structured, how mm-hmm. going to any coach at all for your business, for hypnosis, for softball. It's just really borrowing someone's energy so that you can improve upon your own. And it's such a beautiful, natural process to heal ourselves with the help of others. Absolutely. And also uh, just to just, and I'm sure you see this too with, with procrastination is that it's like a GPS guide. Our mind's like a GPS, like, well, we don't even use that term anymore, but it's like, you were so used to being on one route. And uh, what hypnosis does is relax the brain enough, enough for it to open up to say, here's another route that you can go on, right? And so, and they've done those studies where with meditation, they've seen like neural pathways actually are formed and changed. It's like planting seeds in the garden, but you have to continue to tend to the garden. Um you're opening up in in a relaxed mind state. You're saying, oh no, it could be like this for you. And the mind's like, huh? Oh, okay. Now I'm curious. And, and yeah, you're offering that alternative route, route, however, (laughs) however you are in the United States or in the world. (laughs) Speaking of alternative routes, I know you have wonderful programs to facilitate and support people and clients and many people wow. that you've you've taken through this journey of successful weight release. Could you mm-hmm. tell us about your different offerings and what might be available now? For sure. So I have something coming up on April 26th, which is a free masterclass, which is really dives into more deeply the mental shifts, like how do we melt these mental roadblocks that get in the way 
of us being consistent. So the masterclass is called How to Break uh, Through the Weight Struggle Cycle and uh, Consistently and Permanently. And we are going to do hypnosis in that uh, masterclass. So if you would like to test drive hypnosis, please come and join. I believe you're going to put the link in the, the, the show notes, right? Yep. Actually, we have one already and it's make time for success podcast.com slash Rita, R-I-T-A. Again, it's make time for success podcast.com slash Rita. And you all can hear how much I love learning from Rita. I, I can also attest that people that I have referred to Rita's program have also just raved about the Aww. depth of knowledge and the impact that Rita's trainings have. So um, I, I would want to just recommend that if you're curious, go connect with Rita and take Thank these you, trainings. Christine. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, it's been a joy to be on your show and I can't wait to have you back online. Okay. <laughs> We're going to do that yeah, soon. Yeah. Come to my Thin Thinking podcast. You'll get to hear more of Dr. Christine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Rita and I are now bonded forever. So you'll probably <laughs> hear Rita on this show at least another time in the future, I hope. Rita, thank you so much for your time, energy, oh. and your wisdom. You're amazing. Thank you so much. You are amazing. Thank you very much, Christine. All right, everyone. Take this loving kindness, insert it into your life in whichever way works for you. Rita and I are both sending love to you. Thank you so much for being here. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Make Time for Success podcast. If you enjoyed what you've heard, you can subscribe to make sure you get notified of upcoming episodes. You can also visit our website, maketimeforsuccesspodcast.com for past episodes, show notes, and all the resources we mentioned on the show. Feel free to connect with me over on Instagram too. You can find me there under the name Procrastination Coach. Send me a DM and let me know what your thoughts are about the episodes you've been listening to. And let me know any topics that you might like me to talk about on the show. I'd love to hear all about how you're making time for success. Talk to you soon.